I think at the end of the day, as researchers, we're trying to take the wheat from the chaff. There's one golden rule for researchers in this business. Thou shall not hoax. Not ever. Sorry, I get excited sometimes. I'm sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> Every ounce of misinformation or bad evidence it takes 15 pounds worth of effort to try to make up for it. 15 pounds of effort for every ounce of bullshit that's out there. About six o'clock in the evening, it's pitch dark out there. My dad walks into the living room white as a sheet. And I said, what's the matter? He says, you better come out here and have a look at this. And there's a huge pair of glass doors that look out into the backyard from the kitchen. And I looked out in the snow and there were 18 inch footprints into the snow. Episode six, Cryptozoology. Cryptozoology is the search for animals that are suspected to exist. Creatures that people think are out there, though there is no scientific evidence to say one way or the other for sure. I think it can be a very engrossing subculture, tight communities of people who share information and sightings and uh, go out in the field and look for the Sasquatch or a sea monster or, or other kinds of creatures can be pretty addictive and a powerful idea that you might be the first person to cite something like that. Hello, hey. how are you? You know? Nice to meet you. Come on in. Me yeah. How are you doing? Come on in. Have a seat. Yeah, relax. I'm John Kirk, and I'm president of the British Columbia Scientific Cryptozoology Club and a member of West Coast Sasquatch and the Texas Bigfoot Research uh, Center. Um, I make my living as a civilian member of the RCMP, and I live in uh, Richmond, British Columbia, which is uh, uh, the, the best base in the world from which to explore cryptids, because everything I want to find is within 100 miles of me. So uh, it looks like you got some, some stuff out for us here. Yeah. What you're looking at, the largest piece on the dining table, which covers the entire table plus, is a frame that was taken from the Patterson film. This was done by an American Sasquatch research by the name of M.K. Davis. He uh, blew up the image to uh, almost life-size. That's about six feet plus. Anybody who was able to build a costume of that magnitude in 1967 was better than John Chambers, who did a lot of the work for Planet of the Apes. This is a phenomenal piece of work. If it was a hoax, I seriously doubt that because I have analyzed the film over and over again, and you can see muscle movement, which is something you cannot see when somebody's wearing a costume. So how did you get into it? When did you first start looking for uh, unknown creatures? Um, I began looking for unknown creatures back in 1987 because as a hard uh, nails, um, tough sort of journalist, I was a, a sports writer and a features writer who had just moved to Canada. And um, I was on holiday in the Okanagan. I was up at a winery and I promise you I had not imbibed in the vintage at that time. Looking down on the lake, I didn't see this thing at first. It was actually seen by my son and a friend of ours. I was fussing around my video camera and wasn't paying attention. But when I looked up, I saw the object that was the focus of their attention and immediately realized that's an animal. 
and we could see a head with a very long neck structure. I estimate the neck would have been about 15 feet long. And behind that were four or five humps just sticking out of the water and what appeared to be a tail section at the back. It lay there just like a log would. And it was there for five minutes. And after five minutes, it had deployed its ballast, as it were, and sunk right back into the lake, leaving what looked like an oily slick uh, of where the various body parts had been. It was almost like there was an image imprinted on the surface of the lake. And I realized at that time, this must be the thing that people in the Okanagan call Ogopogo. Well, I mean, that just blew my mind because you can't escape this creature when you go visit the Okanagan. It's, it's in everybody's consciousness, but you don't think of it as being a reality. You think of it as being a marketing tool, a chamber of commerce ploy, that kind of business. When I had had time to think all these things through, I realized, why the heck isn't anybody investigating this creature? I had seen an animal that was an entity, a real entity, rather than some spooky phantasm. And as a consequence of that, I began to, to realize that I needed to devote myself to scientific inquiry into the existence of this creature, even if nobody else was going to do it. Hundreds upon hundreds of people had seen it over a century. The native Canadians had known about this animal for at least 300 years because there are 300 year old petroglyphs that appear to uh, depict this creature. And yet, not one scientific agency, not one government agency was uh, investigating this. So how did, how did that day change your life? It altered the course of my life so much that this became an almost rabid pursuit. For five years, I pursued this animal with, with a vengeance. Um, I never realized how close-minded people were in this world until I came upon this particular field of scientific inquiry and endeavor, that people have shut their minds to possibilities. Possibilities are only that. They may turn out to be realities, they may not. A lot of people here in British Columbia were skeptical about a very large, fairish-colored bear that we had here as well. We now know that as the spirit bear, the Komodi bear. But people are so close-minded, it's phenomenal. You ask them about their opinion of Sasquatch and Ogopogo, and it's ridicule. Oh, it couldn't exist. And you ask them why it couldn't exist. Nobody's ever got a good reason, but it just couldn't exist. You're listening to Subcultures. This is Cryptozoology. Good morning, Canada. We are outside the Sasquatch Inn. It is 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, I don't really know where the hell we are. We're in Sasquatch country, apparently. We're in... British Columbia, the middle of nowhere. We are about to meet our Sasquatch hunters. They seem pretty, pretty awesome. Thomas has a big pipe. Sebastian has a crazy half-blonde hairstyle, and uh, they they've pulled up in two kind of off-road vehicles. Gentlemen, good morning. You guys at the uh, CBC radio? Yes, we are. Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. How? Hi. Hi. Thomas. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? All right, so we're going to go, we're going to drive around the uh, the countryside and uh, take a look at the, the heart of Sasquatch country, essentially. <laughs> this could be the lucky morning here. Okay, who's coming with me? I'll go with Sebastian on the premise that this vehicle is slightly quieter than this vehicle. Okay, okay. let's go. <laughs> I like the way it says Sasquatch research on the side. Yeah. Oh, we have a camcorder right here in the middle, so um, just in case we see anything, so I have to be ready. So tell me a bit more about the, the association, the Cryptozoology BC group. Um, you were saying 
that there are certain rules, weight, codes of conduct? Yeah, um, the, the primary, it's um, no-kill policy because we do not encourage people to go out there and basically hunt for an, an animal. First of all, like there's an ethical issue. I mean, there's absolutely no, no point to kill an animal. I like the way they didn't wait for us. They just took right off. Where are you guys? Ah, oh, okay. All right, so we're uh, we're turning into a logging road here, a little off-roading, and into the bush we go. Nice and bumpy. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a river down there, a stream or something. Gorgeous mountains kind of peeking out. Looks like quite the back road we're going up here. Back to this next part we're on now. It's a smooth part. Oh, you're gonna hold it? Okay. All right, we're trying to. We drove off the road. The Land Rover. Uh, me and Sebastian were following in, in the Jeep, and uh, the Land Rover uh, steering went. And basically, the uh, Thomas and Paolo are. We're almost dead. Thomas lost the steering on his Land Rover, and it went over went over the the edge of the road and almost right down what would have been a, a 40, 50 foot drop down into the lake. Uh, luckily, luckily it hit a uh, little bit of dirt and a few fallen trees and, and didn't go over. Uh, we're gonna try to pull the Land Rover out uh, now. I guess we're all just glad that nobody got hurt. Instead of pulling it sideways, I like you pull it that way. Yeah, I think you gotta go back. You gotta go straight back. Yeah. You try pulling that way, it's gonna go over. Yeah. Forget it. <laughs> a long walk Our back. Dead. I'm gonna have to get it towed all the way home, and then uh, I mean the steering's gone. So I don't know. Should we stay here and, uh, and we can talk? We can talk. Sure. Sure. We might as well. Yeah, we might as well. Yeah. You gotta go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you want to go with me? One person go with me, or a split? Or no, I think we'll stay. Yeah, we'll yeah. stay. Tell them when you get there, we need a heavy tow truck. Man, it was that quick. Just all of a sudden the thing was turning to the right and I'm turning the wheel to the left and nothing's happening. Hit the brakes and off we go. Now we couldn't tell if you were like stable there or if you were just teetering, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we hadn't gone off right where we'd had another 10 feet down the road either way, we would have went a long ways down. Yeah. So in the search uh, for Sasquatch, has anything like this ever happened before? No, not to me. So is it worth it coming out in the bush like this? Yes, and, uh, yes because this is where the answer to the mystery is. And if you don't want to go in and take the chances, you're never going to find the answer.
I mean, you got a gun here and everything. What's the what's the what's with the uh, what's what's the good rifle for? Oh, I had a run in with a grizzly bear in 1986, so I've carried one with me ever since. I had one with me that day too, but I left it in the truck. <laughs> so that's just a precaution. Yeah, just a precaution. It's a just in case. Yeah. But I guess you never know when you're out in the and bush. I haven't had uh, to use it yet, so yeah. That's but if you, if you, you would never take a shot at Sasquatch or anything like that. Well, let's put it this way. I don't really know the answer to that question until that time comes. But uh, since the beginning of this mystery, we've always asked people in the Smithsonian, or I guess it'd be the highest level, what do you need to confirm that this animal exists? They're unanimous. They need a body or piece of the body. Nothing else will do. Right. Which doesn't mean that you would want to kill one no i don't like to i just unfortunately that was maybe what has to happen unless you can find the remains of one that died naturally yeah yeah i guess that would be the <coughs> the ultimate it, goal yeah because no matter how clear a film is a video is or how obvious it it could not have been fake there's always going to be doubt and they're unanimous so i mean they say they need a body or a piece of a body that's exactly what they mean yeah yeah has, that, has anyone ever found anything like a like bones, any kind of remains. There, there's been uh, a few cases of bones being turned into museums and stuff in years past, which uh, ultimately ended up getting lost in their archives. It would not surprise me one bit if, if someone brings out the physical remains of a Sasquatch. It won't be some researcher or hunter who found them in the bush. It's going to be some anthropology student who found them in some long forgotten museum drawer somewhere. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So where are we here? What, where's... We're about uh, three-quarters of the way up, uh, two-thirds of the way up on the west bank of Chehalis Lake in a pathetic position of seeing my Land Rover teetering on the brink of destruction on the side of a cliff here. <laughs> yeah. And what, what? why did we come this way? Well, we were going to go up the Mystery Valley, which is an area where there's been a number of sightings over the years, and I was going to show you a couple of the spots. So we're close, but... But there, there have been reports all along this road. I'm just going by the ones that I have records of. Yeah. Could happen any time. There could be one 10 feet in the bush watching us right now. You just never know. So how long have you been looking for Sasquatch? 28 years. 28 started, years. Yeah, start in 1978. That'd be 28 years. Yeah. 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 That's a long, that's a long time. Yep. Oh, I was fascinated by this ever since I was old enough to read. I still remember my mother telling my father, don't worry, he'll grow out of it. <laughs> it didn't happen. And I started actively investigating in 1978 when I got posted out west with the Army. And did you hear that? Yeah. That was weird, eh? That was like someone coughing. Mm -hmm. Are there campsites down there? No. No shit. It sounded like something clearing its throat. It's actually a pretty curious noise. Thomas has uh, got his video camera now, just in case we see something. Strange, eh? Because it was really quite close. Uh -huh. Sounded like it, didn't it? 
not as if there would be a hiking trail along here. No, I don't believe so. The, we passed the last campground about 10 minutes ago. Plus, this is just a pretty steep drop here. Uh -huh. Go straight down to the river, which you can hear below. Yeah. You can't really see it much of anything. No, not beyond 30 feet. Is there a noise associated with the Sasquatch? There's been a lot of noises reported associated with the Sasquatch. A, a couple of famous ones that uh, me and uh, Ken Christensen and Jerry Matthews put to, uh, as far as I'm concerned, put to rest uh, just uh, last winter. What do you mean put to rest? Well, there was a, a series of reported noises coming from the mobile home park in, uh, near the Chehalis Reserve which got us all excited because they almost sounded exactly like some famous recordings from the past dating back to 1972. Well, on April 5th, 9.30 in the morning, we saw what was making them. Coyote. Mm. A very odd, rare noise made by a coyote that I've never heard a coyote make before, and I've heard coyote. I thought I knew every noise they make. And we were there happy that we found out what was doing it, disappointed in what it was, because... A lot of people have put a lot of faith in these recordings dating back to 1973, and as far as I'm concerned, we've explained them away. So that was the end of that. We now no longer know what the what the the, the noise of the Sasquatch might be in terms of... Well, to tell you the honest truth, there are other recordings that we always dismissed in the past because they were so different that we now have to take a second look at. Mm. <laughs> uh, take a look right through those trees there. Right through there? Straight down. Right where I'm pointing. Oh, I got to come to the other side. I had to do that. Straight down. I had to look at it for three minutes before I was determined that it's not something there standing there looking at us. <laughs> it's two trees, and they get together in such a way, and there's a branch going off. It looks like two legs, a torso, and an arm, doesn't it? It does. Mm -hmm. After you hear a noise like that, then you start seeing things in the woods. Yeah. And of course, there's always the case of visual misinterpretation, misidentification. You kind of wonder how many people saw natural objects like that. And in their mind, they really thought they saw a Sasquatch. Yeah. Of course, it's kind of hard to explain that away when someone watches one get up, walk, and he's got cooperation because he isn't the only witness. Yeah. That happens quite often, too. And that's the, that's the difference, I guess. Mm hmm what what what's the closest you think you've ever come to actually seeing a sasquatch uh three years ago and i was going to point that area out to you if we hadn't had this accident here going down the west side of harrison lake going up near 20 mile bay a buddy of mine and a colleague named john miles i was taking him home he lives at 20 mile bay i saw something there's a cut line that goes right up the side of the mountain at 20 mile bay with the power lines and right at the top i saw you heard that right mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw something move from the center of that line to the trees on the right-hand side, and it took about four steps. I and mean, it was definitely upright and bipedal. But it was so far, like it was almost a mile distance, I would think. If it weren't for that cut line, we wouldn't have seen it at all, because it would have been in the trees. And I suppose it could have been a man up there. They do have to do maintenance and checks on the power lines, but why he was doing up there all by himself with no vehicle of any kind to see up, I don't know how you can get up there anyway. But I can't say it was a Sasquatch because it was just too far away. It may have been a man. But, I don't but not a bear? No, definitely not a bear. Bears take a few awkward steps upright. They don't walk smoothly and gracefully upright like people describe this thing. This thing is more graceful than we are. There's another weird noise, eh? Mm-hmm. That was something, something like something growling, didn't it? 
There's definitely something down there. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to know what it is. You can look and stare and see all kinds of shapes. It sounds like it's in the water now. Mm -hmm. Those could be tent poles or something like that. It's hard mm -hmm. to tell. That may very well be. Yeah, it's someone stacking tent poles. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there is a campsite down there somewhere. All right, all right. So we're, uh, you got posted to the Rockies. And I uh, put an ad in the local press, and it was like throwing a switch. So my phone was ringing off the hook. What did the ad say? Sasquatch, if you believe you have seen this creature, please contact Thomas Steamer and a phone number. I got a lot of crank calls, of course. That comes with the territory. But uh, I got a lot of calls with people who actually saw something and almost seemed to be relieved to have finally had someone who would listen to them and not judge them on it. Would you say that this is a hobby? How would you describe your... Oh, much more than that. Uh, you might call it an obsession that I never got a grip on. It's, it's, a, it's a desire to find the truth of a mystery. I mean, it's probably the last great mystery of the Canadian frontier. And for some reason, unlike so many other legends of the past that have died out with time, this one keeps going. I don't think there's been a day go by that I don't think about Sasquatch, you know. So when you're driving around, walking around, boating, whatever you're doing, you're thinking, could it be, could it be there? Yeah, could, it could be there. Today is the day, maybe around the next corner. <laughs> uh, this time, we, the corner took us. How do you keep from, from you know, this driving you crazy? Well, define crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had uh, certain people have already have been calling me that for years, uh, you know. You think you? I mean, do you think you're, you're a little on the crazy side? No, because let's put it this way: if the Sasquatch does not exist and it never did, then I've done my part to help record and catalog a great piece of Canadian folklore, and that and that alone makes it worthwhile to investigate and look into. That's the way I look at it. And of course, if it does exist, then it's the uh, discovery of the century, and you'll be in on it. Oh, I hope so. I don't really care who finds it, just as long as somebody finds it. I'd love it to be me, but it wouldn't upset me if some of the people I know found it, just as long as it's found, then maybe I could get on with some regular living. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian, come in. Sebastian. I wonder how many kilometers away. We're just around the bend. Well, you're coming in clear now, so you must be getting close. Yeah, we can hear you coming. We can see you now. Oh, pickup tow truck. I wanted a big tow truck. Sebastian called me immediately to tell me what had happened to you guys. A1, that, that's good and responsible, that there's an outside person who knows where you are, what's happening to you, so that if it had gone worse or I hadn't heard, I would have called the search and rescue guys out there to look for you. How did you feel when you heard about that, that situation? 
I was really uh, relieved to hear that you guys all survived because in this, the pursuit of cryptids, eh? One of the things that you have to realize is there is always an element of danger. When you're in the bush, you could be attacked by a black bear, a grizzly bear, or a cougar. We face all kinds of hazards. Other people have seen these creatures, said, okay, I now believe in them. They are, they are a fact for me, but then they went on to, you know, they went back to their lives. Well, how can you leave something unresolved? I'm a person that likes to dot their I's and cross their T's and tie up all my shoelaces as I go through life. You can't leave something like this hanging in the air. It requires a completion of sorts. I wonder at times whether it'll be completed in my lifetime, but that doesn't deter me and my colleagues who, who are equally interested in this field from attempting to find out what this is. You know, it's enjoyable. That's the whole point of doing anything. It's because it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's all, all sorts of wonderful stimulations. That's why we do it. We've expended vast amounts of money, time, energy, and uh, I must say it's been massively rewarding. But at this time, we're still as far away from the target as we've ever been. You're talking about trying to find a Sasquatch in British Columbia where our, our wooded montane forests are vast. Try looking for a needle in a haystack. It's, it's very difficult. Cryptozoologists maintain mystery and excitement in their everyday lives by believing they're on the brink of finding that final elusive proof. But though we don't all go on adventures looking for Sasquatch, we're all interested in the unknown. Is it because these animals really exist, or is it just that we want them to exist? What is it that we're missing that keeps drawing us to the undiscovered? Vietzky. Subcultures is produced by Lindsay Michael and Paolo Pietro Paolo. Executive producer, Carolyn Warren. Listen to us on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Look for the Subcultures playlist on cbcradio3.com. Our email address is subcultures at cbc.ca.